when you're preaching, it's, it's really helpful to, uh, to have really good worship music to kind of pump you up and get you going. As I was enjoying the worship, if, if it's okay to say that, enjoying the worship of, of the team this morning, Debbie and Tim, it occurred to me that there really wasn't much work left for me to do um, because Debbie is an extraordinary worship leader. The spirit in, in which she does that and the words that she said just really already gave us our marching orders. But Father, I just thank you that there is still a place for me to say some things this morning. Strengthen me again in Jesus' name. So I'd love to, I'd love to ask you how you're doing. Those that know me know very well when I ask that question. I'm not just making casual conversation. I really want to know how you're doing. And just let that question sit in your mind for a second. Um, I'm privileged to uh, open the year um, 2022, so welcome to 2022. Happy New Year. I'm privileged to uh, open again by preaching from God's Word. And the message that I have prepared for today is, uh, is a message that, well, Tim, Tim Cook and I worked together uh, on, on, on our two messages. We were, we were preaching back-to-back, and uh, it's incredible how God will, will do things that you can't even imagine. So, for example, this morning, um, all of you are completely unaware of what was taking place here, but there were so many silly distractions that were happening this morning with technology, uh, with people's health, uh, with cars not starting, um, just so many little things. But the team here just simply prayed away those distractions and, uh, and, and basically allowed us to be able to focus on God so that we can serve you. Well, last week, Tim Cook, who was bringing the message, um, had a significant distraction. Uh, he was sick as a dog. You would never known that because uh, they had pre-recorded that message. And sometimes when you ask God to solve a problem, he doesn't solve it the way you think. And so I'm sure that Tim was asking that he, you know, that, that he get over that sickness very, very, very quickly. Uh, it took a while. But God, in his infinite wisdom, saw that was going to happen and uh, removed the potential for the distraction by having the team record the message early while Tim was in pretty good health. And so when Tim and I were looking ahead at these two messages, neither of us would have imagined um, that it would be recorded early or that he would be sick. But God spoke to us about the kind of message we wanted to share. And Tim quite effectively spoke about the light last week. And Pastor Greg, in his, uh, in his Christmas Eve service, spoke about the light. And I'm continuing to do that today. And there's a passage of Scripture I want to read from Ephesians. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. What does that mean? So let me come back to my question to you. How are you doing? These last two years have been tough, and 2021 in particular has been very, very difficult. And so I just want you to know that I'm acknowledging that. I'm recognizing that it's been difficult. It's been difficult for everybody. Uh, pastors, preachers, teachers, church workers. But it's been hard on everybody. It's been hard on everyone who attends this church. It's been hard on everybody who doesn't attend this church. It's been hard on people around the city that we don't know. It's been hard on everybody on the planet. And it's very difficult 
to imagine even knowing somebody who hasn't been affected by this, this viral pandemic uh, in some way, some more than others. And yet we have to bring a message of hope and encouragement. And it's easy for me to do that because of the, t- the, the topic that, uh, that Tim and I have chosen for these two messages. And so that passage again, everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is, visible, it is light that makes everything visible. In my house, um, Debbie and I, uh, my wife Debbie and I, we, we kind of divide the chores. We just have natural chores that, that just fall to each of us. I do certain things, she does certain things. Generally, it's my responsibility to look after the floors. And I don't know if you've had this experience, I think you have, where you, you clean the floor, you think you've done a great job, you've not just swept it, but you vacuum the floor, and you're ready for company to show up. And about 10 minutes before people start to show up, the sun comes in the window at that really, really hateful angle. And you suddenly see things on the floor and you see dust that you thought were gone, that you didn't even see 10 minutes earlier. And you're wondering, did I even vacuum the floor? Did I even clean the floor? Light makes things visible that would otherwise be invisible. And so this message that I, I, I have today is, is let there be light in you. But I almost want to put like a subtitle to it, and that is a brief history of light. In the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God's first act was to bring light into darkness. And he spoke light, which is his very existence, as we will see, into, into existence, the nature of God into existence in the physical universe. God himself is light, and he began everything by saying, let there be light. Now let me skip ahead to the very end of the Bible, the book of Revelation. We'll be living in the New Jerusalem, and of that New, of that new Jerusalem where we will be living, it says the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. So we've come full circle to the end of days, and we see that the light that God created in making the universe was actually him, bringing himself into existence in that universe. And the promise is that we will have that light, him, forever. Now let me, let me go ahead many, many years, still about seven, over 700 years before Jesus, to the prophet Isaiah. It's a passage that is very familiar to us, and we've probably heard it read in the last couple of weeks at Christmas time. Isaiah writes in chapter 9, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. God, through Isaiah, revealed that a great light was coming to dispel the darkness in people's hearts. So the light that we're talking about now is not just physical light. This is a metaphorical light referring to the light that shines to dispel the darkness in people's hearts. 
and in this world to illuminate God's truth to all people. To all people, that's what it says here. To all people, not just to God's chosen people at that time, but to all people. And that the truth would one day set us free. Now let me zip ahead, and I'm going through these passages quickly. I've chosen this morning rather than to just simply preach my own thoughts, and that is to preach the word and to show you just a a small sampling of what the Bible has to say about light. Here we are in the the Gospel of John, probably uh, arguably the greatest prologue in all of literature. In those opening verses, John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it nor overcome it. John here is confirming what Isaiah had said, that a great light is coming. And John is saying, that has now happened. That light has entered into the world. The darkness has neither understood it nor has overcome it. And what Isaiah was intimating at, although I think it was pretty clear, John is making incredibly clear here in the first chapter, that this light was coming in the form of God himself into human history. And just as Genesis' light was sent to dispel the darkness of the universe, this light is sent to dispel the darkness in people's hearts and to set people from free of the bondage of darkness. Let me continue reading what John writes. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is a different John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to that light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Notice he says here, everyone. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born of, not born of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And then he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling with us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. A forerunner, forerunner went ahead to prepare the way for the people to see the light the one that they've been waiting for for centuries. And here he confirms that it isn't just God, but it is God who is made into a human. And if you continue to read in the gospel, he goes on to say that that human was Jesus, a man from Nazareth. This one was God in human form, sent to be the light of the world. And Jesus himself referred to himself at some point later as I am the light of the world. Let me continue now in that probably the greatest sermon recorded in Scripture, the Sermon on the Mount. So shortly after what I just read there, um, we see Jesus now addressing the crowds. He says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, 
that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We've been commissioned by the light giver himself, the light bringer, to also be light bearers as we, as we point to him and declare his glory. The light that others see in us is him. From Ephesians, for once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. How do we live as children of light? I have two very simple suggestions, and I think there are really only two. Number one, we live to honor God and to show our allegiance to him. And number two, we live as a testimony to others about the truth of him. The final passage of scripture that I want to read is from 1 John. And this is a very famous passage. It is written in a letter where the word light is used a lot. And I'm already at the point where I'm, I'm about to start landing this plane in my sermon. This is going to be an incredibly short message because I'm just reading the word of God. But what I want to do is I want to show what this means to us. John writes, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. The job of a teacher and a pastor is to take the words of God and to explain what they mean and to help people to put those words into action. My sister, who's a missionary over in Europe, she says that a sermon isn't worth, it isn't worth anything unless there's a challenge. And so I've provided you with some information. What I want to do is I want to provide you now with some encouragement and a challenge. How are you doing? It's been a hard couple of years. If your first answer is to look at your circumstances, then I want to tell you, be careful. Circumstances usually just dim the light. We'll go up to somebody, and maybe someone's come up to you recently and, and, and asks, how are you doing? A very common answer is, I guess I'm doing fine under the circumstances. But when we say that, I don't know if you realize, but that very statement coming off of, out of our own lips essentially betrays a foundational belief in us that how we are doing is somehow dictated by or predicated on our circumstances. How should our circumstances dictate how we're doing? And you're probably thinking to yourself, well, Peter, in what world do you live in? <laughs> My circumstances definitely dictate how I'm doing. Is that the way that God intended? No. That was what he came to free us of, is to free us from the bondage in our hearts and in our minds to the circumstances in which we find ourselves. He doesn't come to change necessarily those circumstances. He comes to help us to change our perspective on those circumstances, to reframe them in our minds, to reframe them in our spirits, to step outside of those circumstances and see perhaps what God is doing at a greater level. Be careful if your first answer is, I'm doing fine under the circumstances. We must walk in the light and embrace the truth of a God and his promises. Now, as, a, as an elder, pastor, overseer in the church here, I am 
quite aware of many of your circumstances. I know some of you who are struggling with health. I know some of you who have lost a loved one. I know some of you who are struggling in marital relationships. I know some of you who have children that are, that are wayward. I know some of you that are financially beyond your means and are wondering where your next, your next bill payment is going to come from because the money runs out long before the month does. I'm only just cracking the surface of some of the circumstances that you find yourself in. Maybe you're in a job that is, is almost spirit-sucking, and I, and I think many people can identify with that. It just is a toxic work environment you're in. Whatever your circumstances, if you're looking at your circumstances and you're letting those circumstances dictate how you are doing, be careful because it means you've taken your eyes off of the light and you're allowing the darkness of those circumstances to dim your view of everything. If we reject the light or ignore the light, then that is to walk in darkness, which means loss of seeing reality. If we are to reject the light, that means it is to walk in deception, which is the loss of seeing truth. This is, a, this is a huge one for our entire society right now. Not just darkness, but deception. People are constantly arguing whether there is even such a thing as truth or absolute truth. And so the conclusion is, well, my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth, and you can't say anything to me about my truth because it's what's true for me. And I understand the political correctness. I understand the societal uh, expectations that are built around that. But from a biblical perspective, it is a line of thinking that is beyond absurd. It is, in, it is in, in, insane. Not just inane, but it is insane. Because the thought that there is no such thing as, as truth or absolute truth, well, just walk off of a cliff one day and say you don't believe in the truth of gravity and see how that works for you. But I'm talking about things that are actually much more consequential. If we reject the light then that is to walk in discouragement and a loss of gratitude will follow. Um, I hope you were really paying attention when the, when the worship team was singing. If you listen to those songs, which essentially were the sermon in itself, and then listen to the comments of Debbie in between those songs, something that I got to enjoy before the, the service began, just this, this overwhelming sense of gratitude. Does that mean that the circumstances in Debbie's life are perfect? <laughs> Absolutely not. She's the one who's having the, heart, the car trouble. But it's forcing yourself to live beyond the circumstances. You know, instead of saying to someone, you know, yeah, I'm doing fine under the circumstances, say, I'm doing, a fine, be I'm doing fine because I'm living above the circumstances. Those circumstances do not dictate things for me. Because if they do, then things like gratitude will become foreign to you. And a life without gratitude uh, is a very dangerous life to live. And finally, I want to say that rejecting the light is to walk in despair, which is a complete loss of hope. I cannot think of a worse human condition than to be without hope. That is the opposite of what God offers. All of these things are the opposite of what God offers. He doesn't offer darkness. He offers light. He doesn't offer deception. He offers truth. He doesn't offer discouragement. He offers encouragement. 
And he does not offer despair, but he offers hope. Hope is the foundation to the gospel message. The book of Colossians tells us that the faith that we have and the love that we have spring up from the hope that is stored in us. If you've ever wondered about these three, faith, hope, and love, which one comes first? The answer is hope. It starts with hope. Because if there's no hope, faith and love become impossible. So I have some questions for you. Here's my challenges for you. Has darkness stubbornly taken up residence in you? What are you doing to dispel that? Are you walking in darkness? What are you doing to change that? Do you even know what it means to walk in the light? Are you stuck viewing life through the lens of the darkness of your circumstances? What are you doing to change that? Have you even seen the light? This is a place, Halifax Christian Church, where we proclaim the light. We proclaim the one who brings the light, the light giver, the one who declared that he is the light of the world, and that is Jesus. Whether you've known Jesus for your whole life or you're just meeting him now, the solution to all of the woes of 2021 are found in this, the same thing. Focus on Jesus. He's the light bringer. And he brings light not just for you, but he brings light in you. If there is anything that I have just said that piques your interest, if you have any other questions, if you want to ask questions, please contact us through the church office. If you, if you want to discuss it further, contact us through the church office. If you just want someone to pray for you because something that you've heard today has made you realize that 2022 needs to be different for me. The circumstances may not change, but I need to change. And again, I'm speaking to Christians and non-Christians alike. Um, put that prayer request through, uh, through the, that spot on our website, or again, contact the church office.